I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong. Where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. Oh my goodness, good people. It is always so good to have you here. And the queen we have with us today is just someone who's just amazing. She's a bright light. She is probably the most patient person I've ever met. I'm going to say that. She know I'm saying it. Uh, but it's just a delight to have her and to know the work she's doing, to know the lives she's changing. And she's just just beautiful in what she is. And it's definitely going to drop a lot of wisdom on us today. But that person is April Tillett. April, what's up? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Wonderful. I am wonderful. Just really grateful that we finally have the time to just sit down and talk and to connect and for you to share all the jewels and gems with us because I know you got them. I know that. <laughs> so again, I don't like to, to keep us long and introing. So I want to jump in. April, please tell us, who who is April? Who are you? What do you do? Absolutely. Well, it's so great to be here. Thank you all for listening in. I'm April Tillett. I am a social worker by trade. So I am a licensed social worker. I do a little bit of everything, which I'll explain in a little bit. But I'm originally from a small, smaller town in Central Texas. Um, I'm a daughter of an immigrant. My mom is from Panama in Central Texas or Central America, not Panama City, Florida. And she migrated here when she was in her 20s. And she brought my brothers here from Panama. They were born there. And my mom really just had the outlook. Uh, my parents, really. My dad is is from here. But he also, they just had the, they wanted to make sure that I had a lot of privileges, had a lot of opportunities to do things that they have, weren't able to do. So I was fortunate to grow up in a, a family that was really supportive of my goals. And I went to college at UT Austin and got a bachelor's in psychology. And then from there, moved to the Dallas area, which is where I'm at now. Working in college advising is the job that I got originally right out of college. And it was crazy because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just was like, you know, like most students, I want to help people. I might want to do a little bit of, you know, just working in tandem with, with other people. And I realized when I was helping high school students apply to college, do their FAFSAs, do their college application, their scholarship applications, when they were supposed to be sending off their high school transcripts to their colleges, they didn't know how to address an envelope. And that to me was a really big, like, wow, okay, you know, here I am. I'm like, yeah, I know how to write a check. I know to, you know, how to address an envelope. And some of these students have never had that opportunity or just, you know, they just don't know what they don't know. And so I wanted to dig deeper into what were some of these disparities? Why are some schools and some students able to 
have all access to all of these different opportunities and the students that I was work, were working with was not able to. And so that really got me started into social work. I decided to pursue my master's in social work after getting my degree, my bachelor's degree in psychology, moved on to college admissions and still worked with the same population, helping them get into the specific school that I, the university I represented. And then from there, uh, moved on to Scholarshot, which is where I'm at now. And we are a college completion program and we work with first generation and students from low income backgrounds to help them complete their degree, essentially. So they can go to any school in Texas um, as long as it's a public school. And we will provide financial support for them. We will provide resources for them on their campuses. We will provide academic support, help them choose their classes, help them select the major. We'll pray with them. We just all, anything that they need to be successful and to stay in school is what we offer. And so that is me. That's that's what my passion is, is higher education and kind of helping others navigate this journey of getting to college and getting through college because it is very daunting very daunting so i mean what don't you do <laughs> you know, it's, it, to have your hands full um in just so many ways but hands full of promise let me say that because the work you're doing is so necessary and again to be a first gen to go back and do the first gen work it's just interesting how we come back around to things and the again the work you're doing is so appreciated and so necessary so thank you for that mm-hmm. there's something that you've said in a couple of times and i want to dig into it really quickly but you talked about opportunity mm-hmm. You talk about opportunity, you know, that your parents wanted to create for you and then how ironic you would come back and, you know, strive to create opportunities for these first year low income students. Mm -hmm. What does opportunity mean? Because I know we talk about it a lot in so many ways, but I would just be fascinated to hear from you. What is opportunity? You know, that's a really good question. I think opportunity is something that allows you to pretty much, I I would say opportunity is, is a door. It is a door that you have the, that you, I'm trying not to use the word opportunity, that you can open, (laughs) right? And step into that's going to provide a totally different outlook. Something that you may have not had any experience with before, but you're walking into this new room that has all this bright color, all these pictures, all these decorations, and maybe outside of that door, you didn't see those colors before. You never saw those pictures before. That's what I think of when I think of the opportunity. When I think of students going off to college, when I think of them, you know, getting their master's degree or, you know, getting a vocational degree, whatever that looks like, something that they are trailblazing in their life. That's what I think of, right? Like that door that you get to, it may take you a bunch of different windy paths to get there to get to that door. But once they open that door and they walk into that room, which is getting that bachelor's degree, getting that vocational degree, moving out of the house, you know, graduating from high school for some of our students, their first generation high school graduates, that is what opportunity looks like. It is a brand new room that's never been seen before and that you've left the door open for those behind you to follow. Come through with this analogy today. (laughs) And I'm over here at a door, like I'm not like in my head, I'm like, that was good. Mm. Oh, that was good. Oh, that was real good. Like you got, I'm I'm caught up now in this thought, like I can't get past it. Um, (laughs) That's beautiful. But it's beautiful because even the room, right? Yeah. The door is open. How how profound is that? Like, I mean, I don't think like we always talking about, you know, seats at the table. That's one of my favorite things to talk about these days, to be honest, just creating seats at the table. We never talk about the doors because everything is built and it's created for something, right? Mm -hmm. But even the door, um, we talk about windows of opportunity. Why do we use the house (laughs) so much? Um, Right. (laughs) But it's, that's, that's the door is being open because 
a lot of times what's in the room isn't even for the person who opened the door. Mm. And for you to say it, to go in and to appreciate the beauty, the painting, even the painting, the art, the creation. Mm -hmm. I love that. So thank you for giving us that. That was a gem. And I'm sure you, those of you who listen to this now, play that back and sit with that because that's, that's, that's a life lesson. But even thinking about, like I said, doors and opportunities, you talked about, you know, being trained in social work, but then kind of landing where you are with scholarship. Mm-hmm. How did you, I guess, allow yourself to transition from what you even thought you were going to do with your life to what you're doing? Because I know there's still a lot of social work need in the space, like what you're doing. So I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure it's still close. But what was that like for you? Because sometimes when, you know, people graduate, especially as first gens, we just kind of, again, so many doors are open in so many ways. How do we figure out which one to walk through and, and what to do with what we've got? That's such a good question. I think I am always open to new opportunities, you know, new doors, right? New rooms. I'm always open to that. And so for me, I kind of just fell into higher education. As I mentioned, like I was, I had a bachelor's in psychology. So, I mean, who would have thought higher ed might've been the the way it could have, it really, I really wanted to be a forensic psychologist right out of high school, you know, Law and Order SVU, Dr. Wong, if you guys are familiar with that show, like I love that show, I love his role. And so I was like, that's what I want to do. And then I got into college and later on I was like, I don't even know if psychology is really what I want to do anymore. But you know what? I'm going to stick it out. I've already gotten, you know, three years in. I'm just going to stick it out. And then lo and behold, higher ed came into my world and I had no idea what that was. But I think this, the beautiful thing about social work is that it is so broad and there's so many opportunities you can get into. People do not realize how much there is in that field. And so higher ed is just a, a part of that because it's a, when you're working with first gen students, that's a marginalized group. That's a group that had, does not have exposure to, may not have re- exposure to the resources for the SAT, ACT, the resources for to pay for an application, the resources to go visit the college campus. I mean, there's so many different barriers that are there. And we, as professionals in higher ed, really want to help get those students there. So that's why I feel like social work and higher ed kind of me just goes kind of hand in hand because the things that I'm doing, working with my students on in our program with Scholarship, talking to them about some of their emotional troubles that they're having, being away from home for so long, navigating having a roommate, living in this small quarters with somebody different. How do I talk about these things that I may be feeling, but I don't want to, you know, create any conflict. So talking about that and encouraging them, telling them to advocate for themselves, those are all skills that you tell anybody that you're working with in a clinical setting. And so I just use those same skills and translate it to my students and that are going to college. I absolutely love that. And what's really stands out to me the most is that they're the transferable skills piece. Mm-hmm. And exactly what I was thinking about, you know, just driving home that point that it may not look like what you thought it was going to look like, but that doesn't mean it doesn't end up being what it's supposed to be. Exactly. And, yeah. to, you know, to get so caught up, especially as first gens, to be on the path of I've got to do this to represent my success. I've got to do this to make it. I've got to, got to, got to. And we sometimes disappoint ourselves when things don't work out as planned. Yeah. I mean, this is people in general, right? But as mm-hmm. first gens, we have this thing where we've really got to do it right because of so many people, one, depending on us, but two, that we don't even want to disappoint by not becoming this great idea of whatever folks had in their head. Yeah. So thank you 
for those of us who need to be reminded of it, but all those for those of us who are kind of hearing it for the first time to allow yourself to become essentially, no matter if it's a career or even I think in your personal life, how it's just very warranted that we give ourselves space. So I love that. Yeah. I'm thinking about, you know, you graduating again, getting into the real world. Girl, got that, got that bachelor's degree, <laughs> hot stuff, right? Okay, right. And then it's like, here I am, world, here I am. What happens? you know, after graduation, what are some of the things you wish that you knew? Because this is really important, especially for those who, you know, graduate fall and spring and just get out into the real world and it hits different. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are some things you wish you knew, some lessons learned that you really want to pass along to others? You know, I wish I knew when I graduated that it's okay to not know what I wanted to do. And I think, and going back to your point, um, Dr. Eve, is that people, you know, a lot of students, they get out and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, I have this business degree. Now I need to get into finance or I need to get into accounting. I need to do management. And it's like, no, you don't, you don't have to do that. It's okay to not know what you want to do. It's okay to have, you know, work in one field and maybe it's just not a good fit for you and work somewhere else. I, I think that it's okay to to look around and see all the oppor- all the opportunities out there, like seize the day, really. And that's that's how I live my life. You know, I like I like to experience all types of things. We only have one life. You know, the average person changes their major how many times in college. So even if you never change your major, you walk out and you're like, mm, this is not what I wanted to do. That's okay. That's okay. I'm with that. Don't ask me why I was trying to click the hearts. We ain't on Instagram. <laughs> I was trying to give you some hearts just now. But, uh, <laughs> but that, that's okay. The okayness, because the life is so uncertain. I'm, I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. What would you say has been the most challenging thing for you? Just, again, just navigating, and even now where you are in your career, and just making sense of life. What what has been something that's just been like, whoo, okay, all right then. Mm. No, that's a good one. I think feeling like I'm not doing enough. Mm. I think I struggle with that a lot. I think I do. I think a lot of it is comparison, which is a big no-no. You know, comparison to others that I see on social media or others that, you know, have their own business. You know, that's something for me. I'm like, oh, like, you know, I'd love to be independent. I'd love to have, you know, my own business, my own idea that I can market and brand and and for me, it kind of goes back to what I was saying. Like, it's okay to not be there yet. You know, to add that yet to it. You know, it's okay that I'm not working yet. It's okay, you know, in what I want to do. Or it's okay that I'm still figuring it out. And that to me is, is, is been the hardest thing is like feeling like, okay, you know what, April, like you work, you have this job where you are changing lives. Literally our, our slogan is changing lives with college degrees. And sometimes I'm like, I need to be doing more. I need to be volunteering. I need to be, you know, mentoring. I need to be working out, you know, every day. I need to be like eating, counting my calories all the time. I need to be able to make time for my family. I need to make time to read my Bible more. You know, all these things that I'm like, oh, I just need to do all these things. And I have to make, I have to let my know, myself know that it's okay that I can't do all of those things. It's okay if I miss a day of working out. It's okay if I miss certain things in my life that have been priorities to me in the, in the past. Then I have to give myself grace. And, I, and that's where I struggle with a lot. Thank you for your vulnerability, for your rawness with that. Mm-hmm. Because... It's a journey, right? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it's so easy for us. And I just take it back to the first gen thing because our identity is so unique mm-hmm. to get caught up in the definition or defining things and making it concrete. And I, I you know, alluded to it, said it earlier, but just 
we continue to evolve and always are trying to figure it out. I wouldn't have imagined like, oh, I know I'm supposed to be this when I'm, you know, 40. Supposed to be this when I'm 50. But what happens when life happens and you have to adjust? Yeah. And refigure that thing out. And again, for you to say, am I doing enough? You know, things, one of the things that lingers over our head so often as first gens is this idea that because we're doing something so groundbreaking, so trailblazing, that there's so much more to do, but we can't do it all. We can mm-hmm. only do what we have the capacity to do. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that truth, especially for those who may be tuned in right now who may be struggling with the same thing. Because it, it happens more often than not, even I with the business and all these things want to do everything this time I'm like you're doing too damn much yeah. calm down just calm down <laughs> yeah but at the same time it's, it never it still never feels like enough because there's always another idea another thought another something yeah and just wanting to get to it so I just really really appreciate again that vulnerability in that moment because it's a lot to say hey I don't feel like I'm doing enough but if you look at take time to reflect on what you have done you'd be like oh okay all right then I might be doing something yeah. so and that's what I was going to say too because like you know a lot of times for me to be able to feel like I've been doing enough I, I write down the things I'm grateful for mm. and I start thinking about those and so you said self-reflection I'm like right you know I have a little gratitude journal or I'm writing like you know I'm so grateful for my health I'm so grateful for my job I'm so grateful for my family I'm so grateful for the opportunity to you know, do this thing or do that thing because, you know, that helps me to be like, you know what, April, maybe you are, you, you're good. Like, you know, you have your health, you have your, your job, you have your career, you have your family, you have your house, you have your, your partner, you have all these different people and all these different things in your life that you can be grateful for. So you are doing enough, you know, you're, you are enough. <laughs> and, and, you know, if you have family and you have people that love you and you have, you know, all these different necessities in your life, that is enough. I really like that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not just trying to be in the A-man corner because it's, <laughs> you can be both. Yeah. You can be both feeling like you're not doing enough and be grateful at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are complex beings. And yeah. I, I totally got that when you said it. So, but just how to check yourself. Yeah. Thank you for that nugget. And the fact that you gratitude journal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's it. Because it changes the game. And I think, you know, like gratitude increases happiness. Yes. You know, it, longevity. It gives us a sense of calm and centeredness as well. I used to do really well about journaling at night before I go to bed, just doing gratitude journaling. Now, your girl just got to go to bed now. <laughs> I mean, I'd be tired, but it's definitely a great, great practice to have and something to hold on to. So for those of you who hadn't started, go ahead and get to it because mm-hmm. it's definitely um, game changing. Even if you do it first thing in the morning, just start your day in gratitude. That's something that's well worth it, too. But April, when you also said I need to do a little more exercise, I was like, come get your sister over here and get, <laughs> come on, get me because uh, me too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, man. Hey, there's always room for improvement. As long Mm -hmm. as we're doing something, I take that. Um, Apple Watch said I'm good, so I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) But clothes and rings, I'm okay with that. So you you talked about the gratitude journaling, the working out, eating right. What do you do to invest in yourself? What are some of your self-care practices even? So self-care for me, I like to run 5Ks. So, and what I actually, let me take it back a little bit. So I have worked with some some fellow social workers, some other people that really study self-care. And one thing that they read that resonated with me is that, you know, self-care is something that you do alone, Mm -hmm. right? Self-care is something that you kind of, you know, it's not hanging out with a group of friends. That's not self-care. It has to be prompted with self-reflection. 
And so for me, running 5Ks is is that because when I'm running, I'm in the zone. I have my music on, I'm by myself. A lot of times my friends won't even run 5Ks with me. So I'm literally going there alone. And that's okay because it's, it's time for me to, hey, you know what? I'm trying to run the fastest that I've ever ran before. I'm clearing my thoughts. I'm feeling great about myself. Those endorphins are running. So, you know, running 5Ks for me is huge. I love listening to music. I do that at home a lot. You know, I am a huge, and my friends will attest to this, 90s and 2000s, like that is my jam. Like anything past 2011, I'm like, I don't know who these artists are. I don't know who this is. Like take me back to 2004. (laughs) You know, let me play a little bit of Drew, Drew Hill and Jagged Edge and all these other all these other artists that that really just suits me like that is my self care you know listening to that music in the car by myself reflecting that is what I enjoy doing so I do that you know reading is another thing for me as well it allows me to kind of escape for a little bit to take care of myself to to self reflect so those are some of the things I really enjoy reading listening to music um, running five k's that is how I disconnect from the stressors of the world, from sometimes when I'm not feeling enough, you know, I'm like, you know what, let me, let me reflect. Let me listen to my music. Let me get into a happy zone. So when I get back to what I was doing, I'm not so focused on what I'm not doing. And I start focusing on what I am doing. I'm here for it. And when you said your friends won't do a 5k with you, Mm -mm. I'm friends. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. My friends are like, "Uh, you want me to do what? I'm good. I want like all the time. And I'm like, y'all, it's fine. Like I will go do it myself, you know, just my personal little PR there, you know, personal record to see how I'm improving. So yeah, I love it. Look, I love it. I'd be on the sideline and you on. That's yeah. the kind of friend I'll be. You know, it's really funny because Mr. Dr. Hudson, he um he walks faithfully. Mm-hmm. And one day he had asked me to go out with him to go walk and I just agreed to do it. And I was doing my thing. I'm thinking I'm doing my thing. And he's a walker. Like, he's an avid walker. Mm-hmm. And so it got to a point. He was like, yeah, so typically when you walk, what's your minimum? And he's like, you know, two miles, three miles. I was like, what? Ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. So he was like, huh? I was like, I said, I said, I don't do the miles. I do the minutes, boo. Yeah. And you got me past my minutes right now. So I'm going inside. But um, it's just, again, finding that thing. But I want to highlight the, the act of self-care, something you do alone. I've never heard of that before. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of that, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Just even the idea of self. And now I think I need to be kinder because I've been trying to do couples care over this way. Okay. Like I've been wanting to do everything together and self care, but it's just, that's beautiful. So thank you for that gem um, that even you, you share with me. Like, I'm like, Oh wow. Mm -hmm. I need to think a little bit more about that, but I'm always to myself. If I'm honest, you know, I work from home a lot and it's just me. So I don't know if that counts, but probably not, but okay. (laughs) Uh, I tried, I tried, I tried, but no, I'll do more about that. So thank you again for, for gifting me with that to be alone, but also to make it okay to be alone. I don't mm-hmm. mind, mm-hmm. but it's the, I guess the balance between being by myself, doing a bunch of work and being by myself and just being, drinking a and cup of coffee, reading is. a book. Being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that. Yeah. That's, that's good. So what's up the best advice you've ever gotten from a mentor? Oh, to keep learning and to ask questions. Yeah, definitely keep learning. You know, I know some of us, we feel like, I know when I left grad school, I was like, I don't want to see a book. I don't want want to read a book. I just want (laughs) to relax and 
do a lot of nothing, right? Because grad school was very intense. But ultimately, you know, I had to, to move away from that. I had to pick up books again. I had to start reading. I had to start learning, doing research. A lot of these skills that we use when we're in school, like an actual, you know, academic setting, that's what I was told. Like, you know, hey, don't just read when you have to read for fun, read for pleasure, do your own research. You know, when you hear about all these different topics and all these different things that are going on in our world, you know, read about it, read about it first. Don't take other people's word for it. And if you don't know something, it's okay to ask. You don't know what you don't know. And a dumb question is a question that's not asked. And that's hard for me because, you know, no one wants to be like, oh, I don't really know what that thing is, especially when maybe you feel like you should know or you're not sure how to go about finding the answer. You're, you're, you feel a little bit stuck sometimes. So that's something that I have to, to practice is like, it's okay to ask the question if you don't know, if I really don't know the answer. It's okay to do my own research. It's okay to be, to have a, a conflicting opinion <laughs> based on the research. And that's okay too. So those are, th- those are two of the, the things that I've learned that's really stuck with me is to keep learning and to continue to ask questions. When you said the part about the reading in mm-hmm. grad school and reading for pleasure, <laughs> like what pleasure? Yeah. Well, I felt you on that one because mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to look at nobody's anything. No. And if I'm honest with you, I didn't even know I liked to read <laughs> because of grad school. Yeah, right. After the fact, reading for pleasure is so much better. It just li- literally the pleasure. Yeah. Oh my goodness. My goodness. Yeah. So <laughs> thank you for that moment of joy because, mm-hmm. yes, all of that. Is there anything that you're currently reading now, though? I would love to hear that. Anything you're reading now? I was reading How to Un F Yourself. And so that book, and I'll be honest, I, you know, I picked it up for a little bit, was reading and kind of got distracted. So I need to get back to that. But that was a good book just about how to get out of your own way and to get out of your head. And part of that is, like I said, the comparison, you know, telling yourself that you're not good enough or telling yourself that you can't do something because somebody else is doing it, right? Like you have an idea and somebody else has that idea and maybe they're flourishing and you're like, well, I can't be as good as them. Well, who says you can't? Mm. So that's what the book talks about. And and I was really appreciating that and, and read that, you know, a little bit for my own self-care to get out of my own head. But just mm. because I, I know that reading is so important and I, and I personally like actual books. I don't do Kindles. I don't do, you know, the electronic books because I'll get distracted and get on social media. So for me, I'm like, I need a book in my hand that I can turn the pages and, and kind of get that sensation. Mm, reading something about it though and highlighting and I'll write in the margins and it's just holding it in your hand. There's something something nostalgic about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm with what you said you get on social media. <laughs> Listen, I, 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 I just <laughs> distracted. Yes. Like, what was I doing again? What was mm-hmm. I now you're reading the social media status post? Exactly. But I I love that. And to get lost in the book, I just the books are beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this before, but there's something, it's a it's a particular therapy. And it's something that's with books, um, but even how books can help people to heal. It's I go find it. I know I'm talking at like talking about it at random in this, but somebody brought it to my attention because I did a show a while ago that talked about how I was finding myself healing through books. I was reading yeah. stories or getting these aha moments, yeah. and they were answering questions to my life. And somebody's like, "Oh, there's something a modality of therapy, and it's called this. I don't know what it is, but I'll find it and I'll share it with everybody because yeah. you know reading is just beautiful." 
spirituality books, business books, even sometimes a romance or something like the coldest yeah. ones ever, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> all the things because they take us to different worlds and just allow us to be in those spaces. So I love that. Yeah. So I got a question. I got a lot of questions. Well, we're, I mean, we're closer to the end now, but I have one question that I'm really curious to know what you've got to say about this. What does it mean to you to be a black woman and how does this shape how you live? Man, you're coming with the you're coming with the questions. And I love it. I love it. <laughs> to be a black woman, I mean, we're just so powerful. We're so amazing. I just, I really love our movement. You know, Black Girl Magic. I, I just love all of the women who came before me, the ones who are moguls, the ones who are paving the way, you know, at the celebrity status or even in my family, you know, my, my sister-in-laws, they are, they're amazing. You know, they're, they're a little bit older than me. So I've been able to grow up and watch them, but being a black woman to me is very special. And to add to that too, you know, I have Latino in me. My mom is from Panama. So that's a Spanish speaking country. So to me, it's not just being black, but it's being an Afro-Latina. And so it's like I represent for my for my black women, but I also represent for the Spanish side of me, like being able to be an Afro-Latino woman who is the first in her family, you know, immediate family to get a bachelor's degree, not just a bachelor's, but a master's degree. You know what I mean? These are these are really important to me. So I just I feel like being a black woman is just so, so special. We are we are so special. And, you know, it's like you, you have that sisterhood. I love us. <laughs> I love us. So I'm all for it. I just, I represent, I represent it to, to the core, to the core. I'm here for that. And you talked about the multifacetedness of being a Black woman because you're mm-hmm. Afro-Latina. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Because of so, so many, so many shades and, and yeah. so many wonders of, of who we are as Black women. But then that thread of just being a black woman and under, like you said, this understanding that is something about it. I, I love that. And dare I say, I think I'm right when I say this, that you are the first Afro Latinx person on the show. Oh, I'm yes. almost 99%. That's close to 100. Sure of that. <laughs> I've had, you know, folks from the Latinx community here. Mm-hmm. But I look at you breaking these barriers. Okay, these trails out here. I'm freaking <laughs> loud. So y'all got to hear first. Okay, y'all got to hear first. Y'all gotta hear first. Yes. Gotta hear first. Goodness gracious. So we are, I mean, now at that point where we are wrapping it up, and this has been such a refreshing conversation. Mm-hmm. So many gems, and just I love connecting like this. It's, again, it's raw, mm-hmm. and you find out how much more alike you are than you are different from people. But just the thing that brings it together, one black woman, but definitely, you know, being first generation. Mm-hmm. So, what piece of advice or words of wisdom, um, you know, from you? would you uh, like to leave us with to remember you by, to marinate on, to write in our notebooks, all those things? What, what do you have to say? So for me, I would say take risks. I think that's huge. I mean, just a quick little anecdote. You know, before I got my my current role at Scholarshot, I worked in a, at a university and I was, in the beginning, I, I really loved it, but I, I started to feel drained. I started to feel more like I was a salesman instead of in higher education, trying to help students complete their degrees. And so I ended up just quitting my job and not having anything lined up and re- walked on faith and Seven weeks later, I had a job that my current boss approached me with. 
didn't have any idea who he was, did not know what Scholarshot was. He just reached out to me via LinkedIn. And five years later, I'm still there and I'm super happy. And so, you know, obviously I'm not telling you to quit your job now and just not have anything lined up or prepared. But, you know, if there's something that you've been wanting to do that you've been afraid of, that you've felt like, oh, I don't know, you know, what's going to happen, take that leap of faith. Because all you're going to keep saying to yourself is, what if, what if I would have done it? What if I would have done it? And you don't know until you try. And so when I am feeling like, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I really want to do this, this new thing or this new challenge, this new, this new task that's going to take me out of my comfort zone. I always think about that moment when I stepped out on faith and left my job and how much happier I am now. Because imagine if I would have stayed at that role, you know, just because I was like, uh, I don't know, you know, I don't want to do something different. What if my new job is not as flexible as this, this, you know, this current job? Who knows where I would have been now? Oh, you could even, I'm over here on mute, just all excited. Like more <laughs> like we are different. Uh, my Listen, more alike than we are different. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. That, that, that piece of, you, you already know. <laughs> did not think or even know I would be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Took a year off to get myself together. And here I am five and a half years later. Yeah. Look at no regret. No regret. But the fact that, can we talk about how bossy it is that you were approached? <laughs> you know, and, I, and it's like, so funny now because I tell everyone like LinkedIn, don't sleep on yes. LinkedIn. I mean, I think, you know, us older professionals, you know, older, you know, af- after the college age. Yeah, yeah. Professor, yeah, or um, professionals are into it. Like, we understand it, we get it. But I try to tell the students I work with, like, LinkedIn is amazing. Like, the amount of people mm-hmm. that you just get connected through, through mutual friends, the opportunities that you get, people recruit, you know, you get those, sometimes those spammy recruiters, but you also can get some really good, opportunities there and so to me it's like that's the biggest blessing like my boss just sought me out based on my experience and now I mean I went from being an academic manager which was managing students to um, the program director where I'm working with mentors professional mentors on the side helping to continue to support our students and doing outreach where we're working on you know all these new initiatives with Scholarshot to change the narrative to get more first generation students to graduate from college like that is amazing just go on and drop the mic just <laughs> drop the mic on them just 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 drop the mic yeah you are you are incredible you, you are truly incredible and it has absolutely been a joy to connect with you to evolve and even in this space with you to, to be transformed because of this conversation mm-hmm. those with whom you are working i don't know if they know it but i'm just going to tell you how fortunate they are <laughs> i know you but just, just they, they're fortunate they don't say it enough i'm gonna say thank you on behalf of them as well because how brilliant from the personal development to the professional development mm-hmm. to just the balance to the awareness to the excitement about being who you are and all just your truth your authenticity it shines it's definitely there and there's so much that so many can can learn from you if they just listen. So I'm glad I just got to listen. Ask some questions. Some good questions. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, hit me on the head of the, oh, we're going to go there. We're, we're going to go there. <laughs> but this has been beautiful. I thank you. Thank you. And I want to imagine the best place to find you is on LinkedIn. Yes? Yes, absolutely. Please. <laughs> Please find me on LinkedIn. And we're definitely going to link your information in the show notes. So 
If you are trying to get in touch with April, please go to the show notes and scroll to the bottom and click that link to get to her profile. But again, April, thank you for for this, for this time, for the opportunity. I appreciate you and I wish you nothing but the absolute best in all that lies ahead. And um, who knows, you know, what you're going to do, but I look forward to seeing it. So keep being amazing. Thank you so much. And I appreciate your time and allowing me to to be on here to talk to you and your audience. And, you know, I'm, I would love to connect with anyone who's interested in just you know, chatting. <laughs> I just love to, I'm such a networker. I, that is just who I am. So I would love to just network and to know who you are and maybe we can connect over scholarship or connect over social work or just connect and travel, travel together. I mean, whatever, whatever, whatever we can do together, <laughs> you know, that I'm, I'm so open to that. So please connect. Get together for that 5k. Absolutely. You know, that too. That too. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. April, look, until the next time, take care of yourself. Thank you.